Okay, you're up for a message. I am going to start a, a little series of thoughts around the idea of I will. Uh, many times through scripture you will see God saying I will. Billy put together a lovely little graphic. If that can come on the screen, that would be nice. God says lots of I wills. He says I will make your path straight. I don't even read that, but it's online as well. I will make your path straight. I will dry your eyes. I will calm your fears. I will never leave you. I will give you rest. I will honor you. Loads and loads of I wills. And when God says I will, he's not one to lie. So it becomes a promise. And you know what? You can build your life on the promises of God. And so as we look at some of these I will statements, you can build your life on these because God isn't one to lie. He will back up what he says in your particular situation because he loves you. Are you with me? Today I'm going to look at the whole idea of I will fight for you. You know, so many times, and I'll highlight some of them as we go through this, and the Lord will fight on your behalf. It's such a great promise. But I want to start this off really by laying a foundation of reminding you of who you are. You are amazing. Silence in the room. People don't say that enough, do they? We live in a society where always striving to be something you're not, always striving to be better, always looking at someone else and what they're doing instead of celebrating who you are. You're amazing, you're gifted, you're dream, you've got dreams in you. And if in church life we can celebrate and pull that out of you, that would be awesome. Why? Because God put those dreams in you. God put those skills in you. God put that gift in you. And so if we pull that out of you, we're helping you to be the person God called you to be. And we need to be doing that. And the trouble is we live in a world where there's a tension all around this, but we need to be continue to encourage each other to be the best version of ourselves, yeah? Touch three people and say, you're amazing. We need to be told. I like it in church life when we start saying encouraging stuff and everyone starts giggling. <laughs> That's a good feeling. I wonder sometimes when we look at our dreams or our hopes or, or things we want to accomplish, I sometimes feel like God gives us a little dream and as we step into it, it becomes something even bigger than we imagined. Yeah. Who knows that God always supersizes things? I've got this dream and I step into it and then the weight of heaven comes behind and it develops into something else like, wow, I didn't know it was going to be that. I started thinking about Alan Sugar, wave if you know who, oh no, Lord Alan Sugar now, isn't it? You know, he started a little company called Amstrad. I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe he started out of a phone box. Just this little, you know, started making phone calls and he's entrepreneurial. But I'm sure he never dreamed that somewhere down the line he will have employed thousands of people. That he would have gone from Sir Alan to Lord Alan. That he would have a TV show. You're fired. Yeah. And this is what gets me. He, his company gives millions to Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. I think he is their biggest funder. And you start thinking, when he was in his phone box dreaming of having a business, I bet he never thought for one second that he would fund hospital for children who are struggling. You know, when you, when you start pushing into a dream, it's amazing what God does. And you start thinking, well, and I'm not sure if he gives God the glory, but I can see God all over that. You know, whether he gives him the glory or not, I can see the God all over that. And I look at myself, you know, little old me here in Colchester. And we, we you know, I, I believe God said, Barry, I want you to start a church. And I thought, okay, I could do it. And in my mind, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach my little heart out and touch some lives. And that's all I could really think of. But then suddenly you find all these amazing people come. And what's, one of the things that's really blessed me on our church journey is when people have come to church, met each other, fallen in love and got married. And then they've had children. And there's a little bit of me sometimes reflects, if I had said no 
to the God's call on my life, those children wouldn't exist. And I didn't think of that when I just thought I'd preach my little heart out. It's like literally you're changing the course of eternity just because I said yes. Is there a yes in your heart somewhere? You know, the amount, yeah, come on. The amount of people that we've you know, had the privilege of, of, of sharing Jesus with and they've said yes in their heart to Jesus and gone on and been baptized and start developing who they are and their spiritual gifts. It's changing course of time. It's incredible. I didn't think of all those things. I think years ago, those of you who were with us at the start, we used to support a, a charity called Care for Cambodia. And it was a, as a children's orphanage in Cambodia. And we built them a building. It was, what was that? A teak? Was it out of teak? It was out of some posh wood, which is really expensive here, but really cheap there. And we built this building, and I think Becca's show actually went out and visited it. And they had, I think, 40 young children literally taken off the street. And if they weren't taken off the street, they would have been trafficked. And here we, when I thought I'm going to preach my little heart out, I never thought for one moment we were going to literally save the lives of children in Cambodia. You know, you, God just supersizes it. You think of the, the tens of thousands of pounds we've given to IJM, International Justice Mission. There are children who have been saved out of sex trafficking because this church exists. I didn't think of that. And my point is this, in my mind I had a dream to start a church, to, to, to gather some people, to preach the word and to inspire some people, but God gets his weight behind it and it always becomes something you couldn't have even dreamed of. I wonder what that looks like for your dream. Never dumb down what God could do through you if there's a yes in your heart. You are amazing and you need to remember that. It's, uh, it doesn't surprise me then when I think about what God's done through my life that I come under attack a lot. You see, I have an enemy, you have an enemy that wants us to fail. John 10, 10, one of our favorite verses, Jesus says, I came that you'd have life and life in its fullness. But the enemy came to kill, steal and destroy. He hates us. So the moment you say yes in your heart to Jesus, whether you like it or not, you're in this battle. The devil wants you to fail. Jesus wants you to succeed. And you're in this battle. And it's interesting because when you look at a biblical de uh, description of Lucifer, you'll find it in Ezekiel 28. It describes him as this perfect being with all these gems and rubies and perfect stones all over him. And I believe it's like this. He was called worship. And when the glory of God appeared as a light, Lucifer, would, the, the light would bounce off these gems. And he pushed back the glory of God to God. He re reflected the glory back to himself. But then he became proud and said, I'm as good as you, and God kicks him out. And do you know what happened next? God gave that position to humanity. It's our job to reflect Jesus back to himself. We're doing the very thing Lucifer used to do, and so he hates us for it. And so when you turn up at church on a Sunday and go, thank you, Jesus, you're also saying, in your face, Lucifer. You can't do it anymore, so I get to do it. Thank you, Jesus. We're reflecting the glory back to God. So he hates you for it. But here's the thing, we don't live in fear and worry because we also have a God who fights for us. Amen. And so we can go through life confident, pressing into dreams, pressing into hopes, being the best version of ourselves. Despite the battle that rages around us, you win. Yeah. And we need to know that sometimes. When I look, uh, I'm going to share a couple of stories from my life, two very different ones, and I'll unpack why they're different in a moment. Have you ever been to the swimming pool on Inflatables Day? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, yeah. So they put loads of big blow-up things in the swimming pool and they have to tie them to the sides. When I was young, I'm going to say I, was, I might have been 12. I think Daniel was with me. He was about seven or eight at the time. And they had this octopus one. 
And so it was like eight legs like this, and then this great big bubble body. And the goal always was to get on the top. Who knows that? The idea is, but it's slippery. And not only is it slippery, you've got about 50 other kids trying to get up there. So as you're trying to pull up this slippery, you've got someone's backside in your face, someone's foot on your shoulder. You're trying to force your way up there. And this one time I got to the top. I was literally king of the castle. And I sat up there and I was like, yes. But then, of course, it wobbles around and you fall off. And as I fell off, I went under the octopus and my foot got caught in the rope. And I was stuck. And I'm a reasonably good swimmer and I'm reasonably athletic and I couldn't move. And it went on for what seemed like ages. It was probably a short amount of time, but I was panicking. I would have died. That, that is the reality of it. But my brother was there. <laughs> Seven years old and he'd spotted me. And he could see what happened. And he went under. It's true, isn't it? He went under and he managed to just dislodge my foot and I popped up. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously trying to still be cool. <laughs> At 12 years old, I would have died. But Daniel was there. And I wonder what was going on in that moment. Because sometimes I'm not sure we know what's in us. And sometimes our enemy does. What was happening there? But Daniel was there. There was another time I was driving uh, out to Braintree on the, is it the A120 from, from Colchester to Braintree? Single traffic and um, the car in front of me stopped because the car in front of that had stopped and they were trying to turn right but there was oncoming traffic and so I just pulled up, thought nothing of it. I looked in my rear viewer, rear, rear viewer, rear view mirror and uh, there was a 52 seat um, Headingham coach coming towards me. Didn't think anything of it. Looked in the mirror, it was still coming towards me. Looked into the mirror, it was still coming towards me. Do you know there's that moment in time when you're thinking, he's not going to stop? And it's just like, what on earth? And um, I just braced myself. This 52-seat this coach hit me at just below 60 miles an hour. It wrote my car off, the car in front of me off, and the car in front of that off. We travelled down the road about 250 metres, I think, we went down the road, being pushed along by this bus. I tell you the truth, my car was probably a little more than half the length it should have been. I could turn around and I could touch the back seat from my, from my driver's seat. The, the, the car had bent in such a way that the passenger seat had turned in. The only place you would have survived that crash would be the driver's seat. If anyone else had been in the car, you would have died. And I had this little scratch on my knee, which I was really annoyed about. This little <laughs> scratch on my knee, and I got out. And... Uh, I, I, got, I think it was, it, was, it was before the times, of, well, I, at least when I had a, a mobile phone, and I knocked on this lady, loads of people had come out of their houses because there was a great big crash and this bus and metal everywhere. And I phoned my mum up and I said, Mum, some idiot in a bus has just hit me. And I think my mum thought at the time, minibus, and she went, <laughs> Oh, Barry, I'll come and get you. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, terrible impression. <laughs> never, never, never go out for a meal with a preacher because I've always got stories on you then. <laughs> So she went, <laughs> and she came to pick me up. And when she got there and saw it, she burst into tears. And people of faith and people not of faith all said, it's a miracle you got out of that. It's a miracle you got out of that. What was going on there? What was in me that needed to be attacked? But I have a God who fights for me. And what's going on in that moment? It was, you know, my dad's brilliant. You know, When I was playing football, 
and uh, you know, I, I, I played for I played for Chelsea City for a while. And we had a game against West Ham, and I was only 17. And they brought me on as a big crowd, and I was the youngster. They, they all loved it because you're the young kid. And I, I dribbled through the team against the West Ham first team, and I smacked this ball, and it hit the crossbar so hard it went back to the halfway line, and the whole crowd went, "Yeah!" Ooh. And at 17, I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> we had a drink in the bar afterwards, and I said to Dad, "Oh, that was good." And Dad went. You don't get any prizes for an ooh, son. <laughs> I was like, jeez. <laughs> so when I told him about the crash, he goes, why didn't you get out? <laughs> <laughs> but you know at that moment when the car's coming, to, the bus is coming towards you, the last thing on your mind is, I know what I'll do, I'll get out. <laughs> I just did this. <laughs> anyway, my dad loves me, pulls the best out of me, gives me a kick up the backside when I need it. Round of applause for my dad, he's awesome. Here's my truth and here's your truth. In Isaiah 54 and verse 17, no weapon formed against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. I don't know whatever comes against you, but I know this, when you're in Jesus, it's not going to prevail. And we need to have our confidence there somewhere. Are you with me? You know, I so often believe that the enemy knows what's in us more than we know what's in us. The enemy knows our potential more than we know. We need to press into God and understand the potential that he has in and through us. And never diminish your hope or your dream and think it's small because God can supersize it. So come on, church. We've talked about dreams and hopes a lot this year. Press in. Have some confidence. Push a door. Ask a question. Take a step. Do something to give God something to work with. And watch him supersize it. But know this, the attacks will come. But the whole point of this message is don't be fearful of the attacks. Because no weapon formed against you will prevail. Amen? In, uh, I'm not going to read this passage, but you'll find it in, at the end of, of Mark chapter 4 and going into Mark chapter 5. And you find this story where Jesus has been preaching. Um, and, he, and he's given of himself. And normally, ordinarily, Jesus would then go and rest. But on this particular occasion, he gets on a boat and goes across the lake. And he's got the, the disciples with him, some of whom are fishermen, so very good sailors. And they went across the water. And it's the story where the great storm whips up. Do you know the one? And it's so violent that even the, the disciples, some of whom are professional fishermen, sailors, were freaking out. Jesus is asleep in this massive storm at asleep. And they're like, Jesus, what's on earth? Have you ever been in an aeroplane and gone through turbulence by wave of hand? You experienced turbulence before? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit, little bit, little bit scary. I've been in a plane and it, and, it, and it drops, and it drops what seems like miles, and it bounces back up. And you're like, Whoa, whoo, whoo. <laughs> some, some, some people are like, ah! inside, inside, I'm like, ah! outside, I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> what amazes me is that the cabin crew, the professionals, the people who are on the plane all the time, don't ban oily, do they? They carry on tootling along, cup of tea, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they carry on with it, they don't ban oily. We're all like, we're going to die. They're like, cup of tea, sir. <laughs> they don't, how violent does it have to be for the professionals to freak out? Yeah. Yeah. And here's these professional fishermen freaking out. So there is a storm of storms. Jesus is kipping. I wonder how many storms we go through in life where we need to chill out a little bit and stop freaking out. And Jesus gets up and he stands there, looks at everyone and goes, oh, for crying out loud, peace be still. The storm stops. 
And they're like, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. I don't know what comes against you, but I know this. Jesus has authority over it. Peace be still. Get it in your heart. I don't know how violent, what you're going through, how difficult it is right now. And I'm sure some of you are going through stuff and you may in the future. But peace be still. Here's what's interesting in this particular story. When they get to the other side, they meet this demon-possessed man who's deranged. He's so deranged that the community didn't know what to do with him, so they tied him in chains. He became so strong he could break the chains off. He was frothing at the mouth. He was tearing his clothes and running around naked. He was, in effect, a lunatic. But Jesus comes along. And I wonder sometimes about that guy, and you know, you think through it, it's, it's not in the scriptures, but you think through it. I wonder if he had a wife who went to bed at night going, God, my husband, I'll pray for him, do something, would you touch him? I miss him. I wonder if he had kids at home going, where's my dad? It's embarrassing, my friends take the mickey out of me, your dad's the deranged man. Going through all this stuff. We know the backstory, but can you imagine how it might have been? And Jesus comes across, and this man runs to him. And Jesus reaches out, casts out the demonic control, and he becomes normal again. And I just wonder whether God knew the potential in that man's life, and he sent Jesus to say, peace to you. I wonder what he went on to achieve. It says in the scripture that he was dressed and nicely groomed. I wonder what his, the testimony of his life would have looked like when he went back to the community and they were like, wow. And he said, that was my Jesus. He had a story to tell. I don't know what you're going through, but I know this, you're going to have a story to tell. The man, the deranged man, didn't know anything about the storm. I wonder how many of us don't even know the storms that Jesus has calmed before they hit us. Because your God loves you. He's fighting for you. Sometimes you don't even know it, but he's on his way. There's a storm coming. He's saying, peace be still. And he's just about to step in your world and say, calm. Let's go and change the world. Be confident, church. One of my hopes out of hearing this message is that you leave this place full of confidence, saying, yes, there's storms raging around me, but my Jesus is in the middle of it. And he's fighting for me, and he's calming storms. And it might be raging, but in my heart, peace be still. Peace be still. Because I've got a story to tell. I've got a story to write. I've got a difference to make. I've got a world to impact. Jesus in me is going to do something. And he's going to supersize it. Are you with me? Here's your truth. And here's the key verse. Exodus 14 and verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Come on. If you remember nothing else out of this, get that verse in your heart. The Lord will fight for you. Will fight for you. You only need to be still. I love this because it seems simple, doesn't it? You only need to be still. How many of you have been in a fight and felt really still? We don't, do we? But that is the challenge to us. You see, hold your peace. Hold your faith. Know who God is. Know who you are. In the midst of the fight and the battle, when you don't know what to do, step into Jesus. That is where peace is found. Everyone who is weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you peace. There's always a relationship involved. Being still actually means coming to Jesus. Because that's where the stillness is. That's where the peace is. 
You only need to be still, which really means you only need just to come to me on your knees and say, I need you now. But so often what we do is fight and flail and ask questions and get angry and try and do everything in our own strength and make it and all going all like this and nothing changes until we say, God, I need you right now. It's still. It's being still. We need to press into Jesus. If you're in a storm right now, and I believe there will be storms in this room, be still. Which means coming to Jesus and saying, I need you right now. You know, peace in your heart isn't the exclusion of storms around you. It's having your peace in your heart despite the storms around you. Which is actually a declaration of faith that my God's got this. There was a storm on the way, but Jesus looked around at everyone and said, for crying out loud, peace be still. Come on, we need to live like that, church. Can we do that? Can we challenge ourselves to do that? Can we maintain our peace? Deeply, deeply knowing God fights for us. When I can't fight anymore, when I don't know what to do, God fights for us. And I can be still. I can be still. I sometimes look back at that 52-seater bus incident and wonder what on earth was going on there. But for even people without faith to use the word miracle suggests to me God was at that. Now, it could have been angelic support. I just wonder whether there's a bunch of angels around that car. And in our family, when we buy a new car, we all say, Lord, would you put angels around it? Why not? It says we can command the angels. Why, not use our, why don't we use our spiritual authority? I just wonder if, if that bus was coming, the angels were like, you can hit the car, but you ain't having him. And they just guided it around, and at such an angle that I was all right. I said, angels, I've still got a scratch. Come on, pull your finger out. I'm crying out loud. Maybe it wasn't angels. I don't know where your theology is, but maybe the finger of God was right there saying you can touch the car, but you cannot touch him. Because there's something in him. One day down the line, he's going to start a church. One day down the line, he's going to preach a message which is going to help some people press in in life. One day down the line, he's, he's going to give some money away through the church that just releases people from sex trafficking so you can't have him. Yeah. I didn't know it. But Jesus is like, peace be still. Yeah. Peace be still. I hope it encourages you to be who you're called to be and press in because God is fighting for you. It's a biblical thing. You look at Gideon. You know, here's Gideon, who thought he was the least of the least. He had no confidence in who he was. God calls him, so Gideon, I want to raise you up. And he says, why me? I'm in the lowest clan. I'm on the lowest in my clan. I'm basically saying I'm rubbish. If you feel like you're rubbish, you're in good company with Gideon. But here's the truth. God saw something different in him. He called him mighty warrior. I wonder if some of you are feeling like I'm rubbish and God is saying, no, you're not rubbish. You're a mighty warrior. I put it in you. You need to see who I see you are. Despite what goes on around you. And so Gideon says, okay, and he tests the Lord. You know the story. won't unpack it too much. But long story short, he gathered an army to go and attack the Midianites who were coming and, and several other armies had joined together. There was thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And God said, no, you've got too many. Wheel it down. And he wills it down, I think he ends up with about 300 people. And there are thousands of them. And he says, okay, troops, here we go. We're going into army. And they look at that again. Have you seen how many there are? But God says, I will fight for you. And they turn on themselves. They didn't have to do anything. They blow the trumpet and it all kicks off. You need to know the odds might look like they're against you. You might have no confidence, but God says, I will fight for you. And you will have a victory that just seems outrageous, but God's into the outrageous. And he wants to bless you. The key in the Gideon story, which is I hope you'll grab, is he needed to see himself how God saw him. 
He saw himself as the least of the least. God saw him as mighty warrior. Some of you are looking at yourself through the wrong filter. Could we put our faith glasses on and see ourselves how God sees us? There's greatness on the inside of you. There's Jesus on the inside of you. That dream on the inside of you needs to be expressed and to come out. And there may be a storm all around it, but I will fight for you. I will fight for you. Are you hearing me? What about the Red Sea? Now the Israelites come out of Egypt and they're all victorious and dancing. They turn around and Pharaoh's changed his mind. And that the whole of the Egyptian army is chasing them down on chariots and probably chanting. And at that point, I don't know how you would see it, but if I was there, I'd be panicking to say the least. They're up against the water, but God says, I'll fight for you. And he opens the water, they walk through on dry land. And the, the Egyptian army is so whipped up, they chase them in there. And God says, okay, they're through now, I'll just close it. And they get wiped out. God will fight for you. God will fight for you. It's a biblical truth. Sometimes it's through the miraculous. You will have miracle stories in your life as you press into your God dream. But God doesn't always do it that way. Sometimes God puts a gifted person in your life who becomes a weapon in the hand of the Father. I believe that was Daniel for me. When I was stuck under under that inflatable, under that octopus, I needed someone. And who was there? A gifted man. And you you can see my brother, he's athletic. And uh, whatever else he is, he is tenacious. You know, the word Caleb in the Bible means snappish dog. Joshua and Caleb said, we can surely do this. And I've just got this vision of Caleb going, we can do it. Well, that's Daniel. Daniel used to play for Colchester United years ago and um, he played at right back and he's super fast and particularly fast off the mark. Now you'll see he's, he's, not, the, he's not the tallest guy in the world. Fair comment, fair comment. <laughs> but I tell you what, people would try to run past him and sometimes they'd get past him and they'd push him and hit him in the elbow because he's that short. <laughs> um, but Dan would come back. And he'd get a tackle and they'd push him off and he'd come back. And in the end, he'd nick the ball off him. And they're like, fair pedic. Do you know why? Tenacious. You're not getting away from me. I'll keep coming until I get the ball off you. I needed that man in that situation. I was stuck under at seven years old. He's like, I'm getting him. I don't know how many kicks he got in the face, how many people tried to put his trunks down. I don't know. But I know this. He wasn't giving up. I'm getting him. I needed that. God knows who you need in your life in any given situation. I needed tenacious athletic man. And there he is. And I love him for it. God will give you your story. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. It's a biblical thing. God is going with you. You're not on your own. On your own, you can achieve some stuff. But with God, you can achieve so much more. He's fighting for you. There was a time, I think I might have told this story in church before, but it's really impacted Sarah and I's journey, where we couldn't pay our bills. And we were like, God, you know, we're doing our very best to honor you. And we've got this bill coming in. And, oh, we can't pay it. And we're just going to give it to you. And we went to bed and did our best to be still. And it's not always easy. You're not going to pretend. It's not always easy when the bill's coming in. You haven't got the money. The next day we woke up and on the floor was a brown envelope. And all it said on the brown envelope was God told me to do this. And we opened up the envelope and there's a thousand cash in it. And I don't know who, I think that person might be sat in this room. I don't know who you are, but thank you. And for me, that has to be God. 
How on earth? What a coincidence, at least, to say, God, we need some money, and the next day you wake up and there's money on the floor. But the thing is, the money didn't come out of thin air. The money just didn't pop itself into an envelope, right onto an envelope, and slip through my letterbox. <laughs> someone did that, and here's what I want to encourage you with. That someone had done two things. Firstly, they had positioned this, themselves in, in a way where they had the money to do that. I dare say they're a businessman or a businesswoman or someone who earns a lot of money. They were able to do that. So they positioned themselves in the practical. And secondly, they'd stayed close enough to God to hear his prompts. And they must have been prompted because on the very night we prayed, the very next morning the money was there. God prompted them that night. And they didn't say, oh, I'm not sure. They reacted. So two things were going on. Practical stuff, they positioned themselves. Spiritual stuff, they positioned themselves. Then they become a weapon in the armour of God. Amen. And there's gifts in you. And I wonder sometimes, are you going to be Daniel in the situation? Are you going to be the person with the envelope? According to Romans chapter 12, giving is a spiritual gift. So that person was actually acting in their spiritual gift. So it's not just practical, it's spiritual. So could we be people who position ourselves practically and position ourselves spiritually so when the opportunity arises, you could be the person in the hand of God to help someone else? Give someone else their story because it's you. We can do that. We can do that. When I think on Jesus' life, and here was his mission to come from heaven, to live in perfection, to demonstrate what the Father looked like, to bring heaven to earth, and then to go and die a death he didn't deserve so that death couldn't hold him and get up and say, come on church, I hold the keys now, let's go. Anyone who believes in me will be saved. That was his mission. The, the day of his mission, when it all comes to a crux, he was tried unfairly. Even the judge didn't want to take ownership of this, so he gave it to the crowd. The religious people had whipped up the crowd and paid the money to vote against him. So everything was false and trumped up and terrible. So they decided they're going to whip Jesus. They whipped him so hard with the Roman whipping that even the judge said, I didn't tell you to kill him, I told you to whip him. Even he was shocked. So then he had to carry his cross to where, and that was tradition. When you're guilty, you carry your own cross. He had to carry his cross. But he had been beaten so severely he had no strength. And the father looked down from heaven in that moment and didn't say, come on Jesus, toughen up. What's the matter of your son? He didn't say, oh, come on, what's the matter with this? This is your mission, get on with it. No, no, do you know what he did? He had a man called Simon standing there. And Simon looked at Jesus and said, can I help? And Simon carried the cross for him. And here's the thing. Sometimes you might feel like you're not strong enough. And God isn't in heaven saying to you, come on, toughen up. He's saying, I'm going to help you. He's saying, I'm going to put someone in your path who will carry it with you. But two things need to happen. Simon needed to be in the right place at the right time. And Simon needed to be capable of carrying the cross. So for us to be available, we need the two things going on. We need to position ourselves practically and position ourselves spiritually so we're in the right place at the right time with the heart of Jesus to make a difference to someone. Simon carried the cross and Jesus completed his mission. You've got a mission to complete and God will put people in your way because he's got weapons in his armory that are people and we should never disown that or negate it or put it aside. Now, there are spirituals, like you look at my story, there's the, the finger of God, there's the angelic support. There was a miracle 
But on the other situation, there was a person. All of it being spiritual. And I just want you to encourage you through this message to really know in your heart, press into who you are, press into your dream, because God is saying to you, I will fight for you. When you feel weak, I'm going to put someone there. When you don't have the right wisdom, I'm going to put someone there. When the people on the planet can't help you, I will help you miraculously. But you need the confidence to press out. Touch three people and say, come on, press out into your dream. Deuteronomy 3 and verse 22, final verse is this. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Can you see this? All through the word. God's saying, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. And my hope in all this that it helps you to get confidence. To get confidence to have a go. You know, I feel like I've talked about dreams and hopes and pressing in a lot this year. And, you know, if any of you teach or if any of you make presentations, you know you need to it three or four different ways before people get it. And my hope is that maybe you'll get it this time. Press in. If you've had a dream in your heart for a long time and you've not done anything about it, today do something about it. Push the door, ask the question, write the letter, whatever it is you need to do, make the offering, give the thing. I don't know what it might be, but press in and know that you're going to create a story where you have your own testimony that God fought for me. But in it all, let's go to get to know God deeper. All of this, I believe, comes out of this whole idea of devotional time. First thing in the morning, are you with Jesus? Through your day, are you with Jesus? You know, I find myself all the time just, just reflecting or saying something, just small prayers all through the day. Jesus is always in, my, in the midst of my day. And so when I get my moment, I'm always ready. Or nearly always, I'm not perfect, but nearly always ready. You could be too. But it means, church, we have to be disciplined to say, I'm going to spiritually position myself. I'm going to have Jesus on my lips. I'm going to open my eyes and ears to see what he's doing and hear what he's saying. I'm going to read and get some knowledge and understanding. I'm going to listen to great messages. I'm going to have music and worship surrounding me so that I'm spiritually in tune. If we could do that much, and you can, it's a choice, then the rest starts to fall into place. Then you create a filter. So often we look at our hopes and dreams through a filter of what could I do? And I'm sure you are talented people and you could do a lot. But if you could look at it through the filter of Jesus, it goes to another levels every time. Always supersizes. So could you be someone today who chooses to get your devotional life right and get Jesus right in the center of your life so that you've got confidence to know God's fighting for you? You've got confidence to know that Jesus is calming storms around you that you may never see with the purpose of you fulfilling your destiny. You can have confidence that God will put the right people in your life at the right time. I've experienced it so many ways. You're amazing. There's so much potential in you. And I want to encourage you today. Have the filter of faith. Have the filter of Jesus. Let your confidence be in him and not in you. And just see what story you might write. And I guarantee you, it'll be bigger than one you think. So I want to invite you to stand because I'd love to pray for you. I always find it helpful to close eyes in this moment, but I find it helpful. It's not a rule. 
Let's give Jesus our attention. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and move amongst your church. Help us to create a filter of faith. Give us the confidence in our inner person to step out. Give us a deep knowing that you're fighting for us, that you're leading us into victory. Let us make Jesus known. Is there anyone here today who would feel like you're in the middle of a fight? There's stuff going on in your world and you're fighting and it feels like a storm and it's up and down. If that's you, can you just give me a wave because I'm going to pray with you. God bless you over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lots of people. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, so many people. If you're willing, you, know, you can put your hand down now, but if you'd like some, I'd love to have someone just put their hand on your shoulder. Keep your hand up and we'll just, if you move around church, just go and lay your hand on someone's shoulder. Let's stand together. This lovely lady over there. There's a couple of guys at the back. Anyone can stand with them. Let's, let's move around. There's another one right at the very back there. I can see a hand right at the back. Anyone else? Let's stand together. And if you're not with anyone right now and you don't feel like you're in a storm, we're going to pray in a moment. And I encourage you just to look around and just pray for someone from a distance. It adds weight. Father, thank you for these amazing, amazing people. Thank you that you brought them to this service today to hear that message. Encourage them, I pray. I declare the victory of Jesus over your life right now. Peace to you. Be still. The Lord is fighting for you. Have your confidence in him. Get a filter of faith and be blessed. I'm going to give you a couple of moments just to pray for that person you're with. It's just you, you pray your prayer, however you sense it. And the church, let's just join in. Just have a breath. Be praying for someone around the room. Jesus. of the Lord say now is the time to make a decree of who I am now is the time to declare who I am I am your God I am your king I am the one who fights for you it is time to stand up as those who call me by my name to say yes Yes, and decree and declare that I am the one who brings victory in your life. So today, before you go, declare and decree over your life and your family and your work and every relationship and every situation you are facing that God says, I am your victor. I am your God. I am your king and I fight for you. So step up and step in. He says today, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
will keep moving amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. I stir that dream in you again, church. I stir that hope in you again, church. Let's go. Let's go take this life by the scruff of the neck, knowing that our God's with us. Come a great prophetic word. Let's decree every morning, decree God's with me. Let's decree he's the king of kings. Let's decree who we are in Christ. It's time for the church to stand up. Just as we press in, I want to give this opportunity that I always give. Is there anyone here today who doesn't feel right with Jesus? It's the day the day you put your heart right with Jesus. Do you need to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, you're welcome here? If that's you today, it'd be my honor to pray with you. Give me a wave if that's you today. Anyone today want to be right with Jesus? Give us a wave. That's good. I always want to give that opportunity. Father, thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. We're going to worship in a moment, but I send everyone away encouraged and blessed. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd seal into us all you've been doing and saying. That the enemy couldn't rob us of it. But actually, it would increase in us through the week. That our confidence would be in you. We declare you are God. You are God, and we're your children, and you fight for us. And all those people said, Amen.